Hello to all you out there in the orchard. Hawkeye here. You are listening to the UMass IPM Fruit Loop, the podcast component of the Fruit Team's weekly healthy fruit newsletter. I am the often over-enthusiastic, occasionally tardy host of this particular goat rodeo. However, the whole Fruit Team contributes to developing our weekly programming. Speaking of which, let's jump right in with degree day accumulations. As of June 14th, 2021, at Cold Spring Orchard in Belchertown, we have accumulated 1,181 degree days, base 43 BE, calculated in NUA. Using a base 50 BE, we have accumulated 723 degree days. Keeping that in mind, let's see what you might or might not be seeing out in the orchard. Apple maggot first catch should occur anywhere between 1,200 and 1,488 degree days, base 43 BE. Black stem borer first flight should subside anywhere between 866 and 1,260 degree days. Cherry fruit fly first catch should occur anywhere between 722 and 1,289 degree days. Codling moth first flight should subside anywhere between 866 and 1,260 degree days. Lesser appleworm first flight should subside anywhere between 1,002 and 1,538 degree days. Lesser peach tree borer peak flight should occur anywhere between 809 and 1,734 degree days. Oblique banded leaf roller summer larvae hatch should occur anywhere between 1,038 and 1,460 degree days. Peach tree borer flight peak should occur anywhere between 1,085 and 2,014 degree days. Wasn't that a good year for everybody? Red banded leaf roller second flight should start anywhere between 1196 and 1547 degree days. San Jose first generation crawlers should be present anywhere between 1033 to 1215 degree days. White apple leaf hopper first generation adults peak 1162 to 1414 degree days. It is getting buggy out there, and we have one more thing to cover before we move on to upcoming events. And that is spotted winged Drosophila. Now, according to this table of degree day accumulations, now mind you, this is the healthy fruit newsletter from June 15th. So, as of June 15th, according to uspest.org, first generation adult peak emergence should occur at 755 degree days, base 50 accumulated from January 1st. Again, this is according to uspest.org and for Belchertown specifically. We currently have two scheduled upcoming meetings. Virtual Honeycrisp Meetup, Crop Load Management, is a three-part series of conversations about Honeycrisp. As a follow-up to the 2021 IFTA Virtual Honeycrisp Tours, these meetups will provide an opportunity to review challenges, best practices, and new recommendations for Honeycrisp production. They will be led by a panel of scientists and growers across regions involved with the USDA SCRI Root to Fruit Project and leading Honeycrisp producers. The third and final meetup in this series will be held July 1st and will cover nutrient management. You can register for this event by visiting the Washington State University Extension Tree Fruit Events site. And the Massachusetts Fruit Growers Association annual summer meeting will be held July 14th, 2021 at Clarkdale Fruit Farms in Deerfield, Massachusetts. Coffee and donuts from Red Apple Farm will be available during the 9 a.m. sign-up time. And Massachusetts Fruit Growers Association President Ben Clark will kick the program off at 9.15. More details to come soon. You can find the link to register by heading over to the UMass Fruit page and clicking on the events tab. 
now it's time to dive deep into the waters of the way I see it, or rather, the way John sees it, with the way I see it, from John Clements. John says we need to pull together a tree fruit speaking program for the 2021 virtual New England Vegetable and Fruit Conference Light this coming December. If anyone out there has any ideas about a topic or speaker suggestion, John says to please let him know. Rosy apple aphid and powdery mildew seem to be spreading at the UMass Orchard. Hotspots are a bit of a mess. The crew is pruning out powdery mildew infected shoots, which is recommended, but can't get to all of them. Note to selves, be on top of these problems in April of 2022. Oh, you know what else? Woolly apple aphid seems a little more prevalent than usual this year, according to John. He says he suspects the mild winters aka climate change, are contributing to these insect pests that we typically do not see a lot of, but expect we will continue to see more of if climate change persists. John also has found some mite hotspots in Macintosh, although it poured rain today, or rather on June 14th, so that will help, but definitely time to start looking for mites. Apples are still thinning down nicely, and John hopes that everyone else is seeing the same. It's hard to say when the sweet spot for applying chemical thinners was bloom, petal fall, or 10 millimeter, but John strongly suspects that the 10 millimeter spray did most of the work. The other sprays, if you applied them, just greased the wheels. And oh yeah, that new chemical thinner ACC or ACID works pretty good, especially on Mutsu. Do you have any comments on that? John says calcium sprays should be going on with every cover spray now, if not more frequently. Be on the lookout for European corn borer infestation of newly planted apple shoot tips. John says a grower sent him a picture that looks an awful lot like European corn borer. Or maybe fire blight. Nah, John doesn't think so. Could be Nectria? Maybe. Delegate might be the insecticide of choice if you confirm European corn borer. For more information, stay tuned for the guest article. John says, don't forget to be stripping competitive shoots on young apple trees. Now's the time to do it, if ever you are going to do it. John has been on the lookout for potato leafhopper, but has not seen any yet at the UMass orchard. Yet being the key word here. Young apple trees probably need a prophylactic spray anyways. They will be here and do some damage before you know it. Most insecticide works on potato leafhopper. Note from your host, we already had potato leafhopper as of June 14th. As early as June 9th, in fact. Oh yeah, uh, John also says, the Honeycrisp yellows looks like it's going to be bad this year. He says he's already seeing it, including some bronzing of foliage. Year in and year out, the apple orchard looks pretty good until right about now. Then all of a sudden... <laughs> John, I can't say that on the podcast. At any rate, you know where he's going with that. Stay tuned as we head to the couch for Entomology Psychology with Dr. Jaime Pinheiro. is in. Dr. Jaime Pinheiro, that is. We're going to kick off the entomology psychology with the weekly report of insect pest captures in monitoring traps at Cold Spring Orchard, Doctortown, Massachusetts. These numbers are for the period of June 8 through June 14. An average of two abandoned 
<laughs> An average of two oblique banded leaf roller were caught in the pheromone beta delta trap. Zero codling moth were caught. There was an average of one oriental fruit moth, 1.8 brown marmorated stink bug, and 0.15 average spotted wing drosophila were caught. For the last seven days, captures of codling moth and oriental fruit moth, pheromone traps at Cold Spring Orchard have been low. The biofix for oblique banded leaf roller at Cold Spring Orchard has been set for June 14th. The first spray targeting OBLR is recommended at 360 degree days, base 43, after the biofix. Sprays targeting the larva can be applied 10 to 14 days apart. At this moment, the first generation adults are flying and females are laying eggs. Newly hatched larvae will move to and feed on tender growing terminals, water sprouts, or developing fruit. As these larvae reach the third instar, they display increasing propensity to damage fruit. This generation takes almost two months to complete development. The adult flight of the second generation occurs in August, and the subsequent larvae hatch in August and September. The second generation larvae, which develop in late summer and fall, feed primarily on leaves, although they may occasionally damage fruit. For the summer brood larvae, the suggested action thresholds are 3% infested terminals. For codling moth, to avoid the development of insecticide resistance, it is important to remember that products with a different mode of action should be used for the consecutive codling moth generations. The active ingredients in Alticor, Exerol, Volam, and Besiege belong to the same IRAC group. So, if any of these products are used for the control of the first codling moth generation, they should not be used for the control of the second or third codling moth generations. For a list of materials effective against multiple insect pests, go to netreefruit.org. Pheromone baited traps captured seven brown marmorated stink bug in five different locations out of the 13 that Jaime and his team are trapping at. Spotted wing drosophila activity continues to be low. Only three spotted wing drosophila were captured in one location and zero spotted wing in four other locations. Apple maggot fly monitoring traps will be deployed in about two weeks. That was two weeks from June 14, mind you. Mites action threshold for June are one to two motol, that's the moving mites, per leaf, or 30% of leaves with one or more mites. For July, five mites per leaf. You should examine middle-aged leaves for active mites. For August, the threshold is 7.5 mites per leaf. The New England Tree Fruit Management Guide lists several products that are effective miticides and provide excellent mite control. Some, like Zeal or Agrimec SC, have both contact and translaminar properties, meaning that the active ingredient penetrates the leaf tissue and forms a reservoir of active ingredient within the leaf. Always read the labels as some products need to be mixed with a penetrating non-ionic surfactant, such as horticultural spray oil used at 0.25% to be effective. For Agrimec, do not use binder or sticker type adjuvants because these type adjuvants may reduce translaminar movement of the active ingredient into the plant, which would result in reduced performance. Several miticides are limited to one application per season, so be sure to check your labels before you make those applications. Those application numbers are limited in order to delay pesticide resistance developing.
The June 14 disease section comes to you straight from Dr. Dan Cooley. Back around June 8, we talked about eradicating scab, primarily using Captain. We ended with the question, how do you know if you've been successful? John showed you one way to burn out scab, and to be sure you got it. The collateral damage can be heavy though. Here we of course refer to John's image of taking a propane torch to scab lesions. It's difficult to be sure that scab infections are no longer making new canidia which of course can cause new infections. And I assure you, propane tanks really are not the way to go. <laughs> anyway, once an infection starts, it grows for nine to 17 days without producing any symptoms. Then the fungus breaks through the surface of apple tissue and starts making a lot of spores, these canidia. Brand new infections make the most canidia and so present the most risk of new infections in the orchard. It's important to spray fungicides as soon as these new lesions are noticed to both slow spore production and protect the uninfected parts of the plant, particularly the new fruit. New infections around two to three weeks old are visible for only a few days. The light fuzzy texture you will see in these lesions comes from the production of thousands of canidia. As the infections age, they get darker, turning brown then black. In some places, such as New Zealand, the common name for the disease is black spot rather than scab. And if you ask me, I'd really rather go with black spot because scab sounds pretty gross. Anyway, the leaf may pucker and turn yellow around the infection site. This doesn't mean that the lesions aren't producing spores. It only means that they're producing fewer spores. And infections aren't limited to the top of leaves. They can be hidden on the undersides as well. One indication that attempts to burn out or eradicate scab have succeeded is that the infections stop looking fuzzy. The leaf surface looks smooth, if damaged, and areas may be yellow, brown, or black. Frac 3 fungicides will stop the fungus from growing, but not to kill it. These infections can start to grow again in fallen leaves, producing a new inoculum the next year. If there are active scab lesions in an orchard, the goal should be to minimize fruit infections. Keeping fungicide protection on the fruit can often get it through undamaged, even though scab remains active in an orchard. Then the infected leaves can be chopped and sprayed with urea before the start of the next season. That is it for the June 14 disease update. Up next, it's time for the horticult. This week, John is driving the bus. Bring your own Kool-Aid. Well, John actually says he doesn't have a whole lot to say other than what he already said in The Way I See It. But John says he would say the most important thing is to get out there and look at young or newly planted apple trees. Should you be training and pruning? Are they supported? Is your irrigation on and running? How are you monitoring soil moisture? Also, another shot of calcium nitrate before July 1st, maybe? Potato leaf hopper control? Uh, yes, for sure on that one. John mentioned above the Honeycrisp yellows seems to be coming on strong this year. It's a rather nebulous physiological issue and not much you can do about it except maintaining tree nutrition and health can't hurt. It also seems worse on lightly cropped Honeycrisp, which is kind of counterintuitive, but true. Getting your Honeycrisp into annual cropping mode with precision pruning, NAA sprays beginning at bloom, and or Ethafon sprays after the danger of fruit thinning is past is good practice. John wasn't kidding, that's all he's got. We're gonna move right along to our guest article, and this comes from the Yench Lab and is excerpted from the June 12 Yench Lab blog. Newly planted apple insect pest management. European corn borer. 
Drought conditions will often drive insect pests like the mite complex, stink bug in European corn borer, into apple plantings. For European corn borer, succulent new growth provides ideal resources for developing larvae. Egg laying of ECB has already begun. Hatch and management should begin 800 degree days, base 50F. This is predicted over the next two weeks, again, June 12th. When it comes to apple production, we typically don't concern ourselves with the likes of European corn borer. However, this insect, especially in years of drought, can cause considerable damage to newly planted trees. Hold the phone. So I just read drought at least twice. So I wanna to touch on that really quickly. I pulled up the National Drought Monitor website and for Massachusetts, primarily not in a drought condition right now. There are parts of the state, specifically uh, Outer Cape, that's about 2.3% of the state that is experiencing a moderate drought. Overall, for the whole state of Massachusetts, we've got 16.79% of abnormally dry. So we might not be seeing these issues the way drought or dry areas are throughout the state of Massachusetts. But to put that a little bit into perspective, the rest of the Northeast, especially Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, and Northern New York are experiencing anywhere from abnormally dry to severe drought conditions. So they are more likely to be seeing these types of insect pests that are only likely to crop up when we have drought conditions or trees are otherwise stressed. Populations of European corn borer began in relatively low numbers throughout New York State this season, but will likely continue to climb over the next few weeks. In new plantings, we have seen European corn borer begin to burrow into the growing shoots in mid-late June, so scouting should begin in newly planted trees this week. Female European corn borer moths have begun laying egg masses on the underside of apple leaves with larvae hatch observed. If ECB is present, larval feeding should become evident in newly developing apple shoots over the next few days you will see brown frass and ooze where the leaf petiole and stem join. It is likely that fruit trees with ECB injury will have higher damage levels along the perimeter, especially where tall grasses and woody stemmed broadleaf weeds are present. Eastern strain of European corn borer has a wide host range, attacking robust herbaceous plants with a stem large enough for the larvae to enter. Dr. Yanch says he has not heard reports of the new hybrid strain of ECB attacking apple. As the pheromone for the strain is under field investigation, he says he does not believe that it is yet commercially available. Some of the common weeds infested include barnyard grass, beggar ticks, cockleburr, dock, jimson weed, datura, panic grass, pigweed, smartweed, and others. There are reports that severe weather influences European corn borer survival. Heavy precipitation during egg hatch is sometimes an important mortality factor. Low humidity, low nighttime temperatures, and heavy rain and wind are detrimental to moth survival and oviposition. However, like most insect pests, they seem to thrive during unlikely weather scenarios in years past. Drought seems to favor development and generational success. Typical examples of ECB feeding on apple are similar to that of oriental fruit moth on apple, where frass and entry under petiole or side of new shoots, producing terminal bud decline and flagging. In many cases, the loss of the central leader will occur, significantly reducing tree growth and fruiting establishment. From prior observations, the larvae reside within the uppermost part of the shoot, about 8 to 10 inches from the tip. Frass is visible at the base of the petiole, and leaves are browning from the tip backwards toward the stem of infected stem portions. Clearly, thrush doesn't like European corn borer either. Trap sites across New York State show very low early season adult flight. 
Later into the season, we are now finding increasing European corn borer adults in pheromone traps across the state that will likely require intensive management in sweet corn. Newly planted apple should be scouted frequently, especially if drought conditions continue during the later part of the summer. Irrigated apple become very attractive to ECB adults as they move out from low moisture weed hosts along orchard borders. Pheromone trap placement for ECB in newly established orchards should be along the edge where known weed host plants reside. Applications of most insecticides will do little to manage the larvae within the tree. However, management at the early onset of hatch will reduce further infestations in blocks that already show the beginnings of ECB boring and larval feeding. Pyrethroids become less effective to ECB populations as temperatures increase, as this class of insecticides is more readily detoxified by insects when temperatures exceed 70 degrees Fahrenheit. In non-fruiting and newly planted apple, Delegate 25WG is labeled for use on apple in New York and is very effective at controlling ECB on newly planted trees. Delegate and generally the spinosad class of insecticides are not as negatively affected by increased temperatures. BT formulations are also labeled for ECB and may require tight intervals for acceptable management during periods of intense sunlight and heavy weathering. IRAC-28 insecticides, Altacor XRL vertiprin, applied for codling moth and OBLR will also effectively manage ECB in fruiting trees. Insecticides used against codling moth at this time will likely impact ECB. However, newly planted trees that have no marketable crop are often ignored as mature trees with fruit near harvest and concerns over codling moth and apple maggot infestations to the crop distract growers from attending to new plantings. Management of ECB to reduce shoot injury to newly planted trees will require a specific management plan and no less than biweekly applications of effective insecticides to maintain terminal shoot growth during ECB hatch. The Sweet Corn Pheromone Trap Network report has regional trap counts for European corn borer and degree day accumulations. For information on European corn borer in Massachusetts, go to the UMass Vegetable website and check out their weekly newsletter. They have trap captures and dates and all kinds of great stuff there too. The next Healthy Fruit will be published on or about June 22nd. So that means, of course, that coming up soon, we'll have another episode of the UMass IPM Fruit Loop. In the meantime, feel free to contact any of the UMass fruit team if you have any fruit-related production questions. Until then, stay safe and be well.